0: Do you ever watch something and say, Where do I know that actor from? Are you tired of endless scrolling across the infinite streaming platforms? Do you want someone to just tell you in a kind of bossy yet non judgmental way what you should be watching? Then this podcast is for you. Welcome to EMDB TV Podcast. Today's episode, I'm joined by my good friend, Dr. Lori, and my double cousin, Michael, who if you listen to the first four hours of content for this podcast, you know well who they are, so I won't go into further introduction. But I'm joined with them today because in talking separately to each of them, I found that they had very different opinions about the latest show, Obi-Wan Kenobi, So I brought both of them on to discuss their thoughts and feelings about it and about the Star Wars franchise overall, and also because I am pretty ambivalent about this show still. So I'm looking to be persuaded one way or another. So the question that we seek to answer through today's discussion is, is this show good or bad? (laughs) Before we get into that, though, I think what would be fun would be we're all pretty much around the same generation, so we're pretty close in age. Actually, you two share a birthday. What? (laughs) Wow. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Happy birthday! Really guys. amazing. <laughs> I, don't know, I just realized that as I was saying, I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's
1: right. <laughs> that's a that's amazing. Good job yeah. making. Let's like." Six
0: degrees of this podcast. <laughs> right, exactly. You guys are connected. So,
2: How are we going to find a third guest for the show? There's the yeah. uh,
0: I don't know. It's going to be tough. I'm going to have to find somebody that has the same birthday as me. And yeah. then we'll be like, balanced. oh, so we can even out. Bringing balance to the force here, right? Can't have too many birthdays all on the same day.
1: When uh, you but asked, anyways, go ahead, Lori. Sorry. When you asked if it is good or bad, I immediately went the Star Wars route and was like, is this show a Jedi or a Sith Lord? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Is it nice to watch or is it like not nice to watch? Yeah. <laughs> the,
3: yeah. Is it maybe
0: it... Is, is the very simple way of thinking about it. Not morally or any of any of that. Just did you enjoy watching this more than you disliked watching this? I suppose <laughs> that balance. So, yeah. So with that, I'd be interested to hear what each of yours experiences are or like growing up with the Star Wars franchise. I think the first movie came out in 77, which is before any of us were born. But because of that, I think we were very much... Like, 90s kids, and this was a big part of our lives and all of the toys that came out with it, too. So, Michael, I guess starting with you, what was what was your experience with Star Wars, like, growing up?
2: I have a pretty distinct memory of my first exposure to Star Wars, and I was in, like, kindergarten. And some other kid in my class brought in all these toys, that ended up being Star Wars toys, and I had no idea what they were. And I thought they were just, like, the weirdest fucking things. <laughs> <laughs> They're just bizarre. I was like, I don't know. What, what are these things? It looks so old. And then I think I was probably about 9 or 10, I think, when I first remember watching the movies. And it was mostly through, like, older cousins, your Mm -hmm. your brother and Mm -hmm. older cousins. I think they are like, what, three years older than me? So they would have been probably, like, 12. I was maybe three years younger than them when I first watched it. And then I think by the time that I was about that age, 12, the original trilogy was being re-released in the special editions. And I know by then I was, like, fully on board with Star Wars. Going to going to see the movies for my birthday, like, that kind of stuff. I love so that
0: you're it, wearing a Grogu yeah. shirt right now. <laughs> just mm-hmm. the, you're wearing a Grogu shirt right now. Yeah, <laughs> I know, the, 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 I
2: like, yeah. yeah it, I love Star Wars, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and I, ha- I guess I have for a very long time. The weird thing, though, thinking about Star Wars as a franchise, is that the stuff that I like about it is mostly just the movies. Mm-hmm. And like, when I was thinking about the show that we're about to talk about being a tv show it's, i've watched all the disney plus stuff the mandalorian mm-hmm. the, Bob- the boba fett show and then this but then I, I i guess i've just forgotten there's been like tons of cartoon stuff oh you know, yes. for the past like 10 years that i yep. just have not paid attention to
0: it's amazing though because yeah i was unaware of all of like clone wars and all of the animated series and the fact that like, john favreau wrote and created all of that essentially but it's kind of like, oh God, this is the trap that they put you in because to understand all of the full canon of the franchise, you kind of have to watch all of that stuff too. Not saying that it's not worth watching, but it's that's a lot of content. Yeah,
1: It's very interesting that you were saying you're such a huge fan and you've loved Star Wars for such a long time, but you haven't actually jumped into like the animation world because it is such a deep well of...
2: Canon
1: and expansion of the story. I mean, honestly, after the travesty of the prequels, I think a lot of people feel that Clone Wars kind of saved, like, an Anakin yep. storyline. And I haven't watched all of that; I've dipped in. But interesting that 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 divide. It's you could almost say it's like the purest, like, fan versus maybe the all inclusive fan. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah I, I think maybe it was because when I was little, there wasn't, all these cartoons weren't on TV. It was just the original trilogy. There were a lot of, like, books and video games and that kind of stuff. And I kind of was familiar with some of that, but not too deep, but... You know, when I was little, it was mostly just the movies, and then you know, there's got like a couple Ewok. I was just going to movies that rule. <laughs> <laughs> like people forgot about those, but
0: I have very <laughs> distinct memories of those movies. Actually, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of like the, the Ewok animated ones, where they have some weird special soap that they use that makes them invisible. Yeah. I mean. The stuff that I have in my brain, and that's what is still in there, is that <laughs> is that memory of watching that up in Flagstaff, and then, yeah, I think it's just like such such childhood memories and so yeah. distinct too. So, yeah,
2: I think by the time by the time like the Clone War stuff came out, I mean those are like kids' cartoons mm-hmm. or at least squarely aimed at kids. And I think by then I was like a teenager, so I think that that's my what my why it might have flown under my radar a bit. But I, I don't know, Lori, what what about you? Did you kind of keep up with all that stuff? I like how
1: Yeah, I like how you started saying that you had this very distinct memory of your first like childhood exposure. And I also have a really distinct memory because my experience with the Star Wars franchise starts in November of 2019. So I am very recent and new to this franchise as a fan. And to be very frank was pulled in by The Mandalorian. And so that's when season one came out of The Mandalorian. And also when my last job ended and I made the decision <laughs> to have a a career break. And so it ended right before Thanksgiving. Mandalorian comes out and I'm like, well... That was great. What else do we have? And watched the movies from the beginning. I watched in chronological order. So it is amazing that I continued because I started with, I mean, they're really bad guys from
3: the early (laughs) 2000s.
1: There's like very few few kind of, I think, redeeming qualities, You and yeah. McGregor being one of them, yep. <laughs> right? So it's kind of amazing I made it all the way through. I think I watched one of the Skywalker films on a plane, but you know, didn't really kind of get any of that, but found it enjoyable. So once I kind of ran through the movies, then I did actually start doing some of the animated stuff, but it didn't keep my attention because it is more of a kid audience. And mm-hmm. so I found that I was kind of putting it on in the background and then I wasn't really following. And then when I did sit down and watch, the stories are actually quite complex. So I would be like, mm-hmm. what's happening now? So I kind of walked away from it like at that point. But yeah, definitely have been all in kind of on on all the Disney Plus shows and this kind of transition. And one of the things I think is really interesting is when you're talking about like, The exposure when you're growing up, there's just these movies, right? There's just three movies for a long time. And then all of a sudden there's just three more. And one of the things that they were actually talking about in one of the Ringerverse podcasts that I found really fascinating is this idea of how lucky we are To be getting these regular installments on the series. Think about those early fans. Think about like the kids from Stranger Things who are like so obsessed and they only have two movies out in theaters like at that time. So, can you imagine like if that generation had gotten this many installments and how kind of like fortunate we are to be able to sit here and talk about Obi Wan Kenobi, the six part Disney Plus
0: show? (laughs) But I think it's also interesting to think about because somebody like Jon Favreau grew up or was older when these movies were coming out and there was not this content coming out and the fan base was so fervent around it and there was nothing else out there. So I felt like that left a lot of room probably for a lot of like fan fiction and people thinking about where could this universe go? Where could canon go, right? And so now that all of this content is being spun up, I do really wonder if a lot of the people who are working on the content now were just big fans of it growing up. And they've had these ideas of, oh, well what if we brought this character back? Or what if they actually survived, right? And so it's kind of like we are getting all of this content now because it's been so pent up in the fan base (laughs) this entire time. And now just there's there's just platforms that enable that, right? And and I think you think of these huge sweeping franchises like MCU and how much content they're mining from these. And I know that we'll get into this discussion a little bit later about do we feel like we need to keep mining the same things? <laughs> or is it like there's other stories to be told too outside of just this franchise or just outside of characters that we grew up with?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the interesting thing about... St- st- Going back through the history of Star Wars as a media franchise, the movies came out in the 70s. And then from then until, up until I think when Disney bought the franchise in the early 2000s, there were all these I think they called it the Expanded Universe. Mm -hmm. All the, I mean, like literally hundreds and hundreds of books and video games Mm -hmm. and comic books kind of spinning off their own stories from the original trilogy of movies. And I, I guess once the 90s comes around, the the, the prequels. So I, I think that there was like a official levels of canon about how official things were, or how authoritative they were to the central story about Luke and Leia and Han mm-hmm. Solo from the original trilogy. And I think for a really long time, it was like the movies, the original trilogy and the prequels were like the top tier canon. And then there was all the ex- ex- expanded universe stuff below that, and then I, th- I think there might have been some other non-canon, more like fan fiction kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And then when Disney bought the franchise, I think it was like 2004 or something, they basically retconned the entire Star Wars universe and said, okay, from now on, the only things that are canon are the movies and the Clone Wars TV series, and that's it. Everything else is just pure fantasy, like it has nothing yeah. to do with the stories that we're going to be telling from now on. So I think they really did consolidate it once it got in Disney's hands. And I think for pretty obvious commercializing reasons where it's like we need control over this as a product going forward. But but it is the kind of thing where it's, there were people who were working under the license, the umbrella of, of Star Wars as a franchise writing these stories that had really nothing to do with the original trilogy. And that stuff was considered official to some degree for a very long time and i think now i mean there's there still is a lot of those kinds of novelizations and spin-offs and things but it's it's very very focused on to me it seems like on the, on the movies and the tv stuff going forward so mm-hmm. yeah.
0: yeah and how are both of you feeling about the sort of what's looking like the path forward anyways for the franchise it, it, there's a couple more of these series that are coming out that are still throwbacks to existing characters i think the newest star wars movie that is Taika Waititi associated with that one, right? I think that one mm-hmm. is supposed to expand oh. the canon, right? I know, yeah. right? It's all of the things it, that you love, Lori. I mean. <laughs> it's supposed
2: to come out next year. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Y'all,
0: that, I mean,
1: I don't even know. We're living in a really great
2: time. <laughs>
0: We're so lucky to be alive right now.
1: (laughs) This is this is the one good thing we've got.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's not enough to balance out all of the dark right now, but it is a little bit of a
1: little bit of (laughs) a light. Yeah, yeah, he will
0: he will save us. He will save us all, I guess.
2: I feel like this podcast is just kind of turning into a Taiko Waititi cast yeah turned into
0: started out as whatever (laughs) that's fine yeah i
2: I think as far as a story uh, that they're they're trying to tell goes i think this is kind of the last at least that i'm aware of the last big story that's directly tied into the luke skywalker Mm -hmm. saga Mm -hmm. um i think after the last trilogy the last jj abrams movie ended that was the last movie i think that that's going to focus on those characters and then i think i'd read that like the the movie, the Taiko YTT movie, that's supposed to come out next year. And I think they're they've scheduled another movie, a second movie, to come out next year too. Which I'll believe it when I see it. I think I think going forward, they're deliberately kind of telling stories about new characters, kind mm-hmm. of going off in another direction from the, like the last nine movies have, have gone. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, even like the, the next TV series that comes up is has nothing to do with the uh, Luke Skywalker at least. What is think, the
1: newest? Is uh, it uh, TV Andor series or is it Ahsoka?
2: I think it's Andor. It's a spin off of Rogue One. It's, is mm. it Diego Luna's character? I think from that. Okay. Mm.
0: Before Rogue One, obviously.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: there is uh, no after. So, so
0: that's how they—that's how they bring back Felicity, Jones. Is that her name? No. Right. Yeah. You go backwards in time. Right. So, yeah. Felicity Jones. Because I remember when that movie came out and it was like, oh, yeah, they have her under con I thought they had her under contract for multiple movies. And then you watch that movie and you're like, how is that possible? <laughs> and it's like, oh, you just go back in time because what is time?
1: I feel like they usually do sign time. people for three movies because even the guy from Solo, which honestly, guys, I am so upset, was a flop because I think it's a gem. <laughs> but he signed a contract for three movies. And the kind of gossip is they just he's not going to make the last two. There yeah. is no future and that's really sad to me and I think there's this thing of Star Wars where obviously I mean what is the scroll text right like in a galaxy far far away this is an expansive universe and we've spent time with this core group of characters but I still find that I like learning more so like Mm -hmm. I did love seeing like how Han became Han and all of that backstory I am super interested to see like how the Mandalorian is going to tie in with the characters that we've known for so long in those storylines. I mean, I think that it's such a such a hard thing to, to say, yeah, I'm, I'm done knowing about all of these people. I'm ready for all new things. And I don't know if we'll ever be able to fully like turn that off. I mean, I definitely think the balance can swing, right? But I think there will always be that one show that's maybe kind of very tied in to the, to the origin of it all.
0: Yeah, and I think it's always fan service too, right? Of, of You can have these new worlds and these new characters and people who didn't grow up with it or who have no exposure to the franchise can enjoy it on its own. But then you can have things in there where it's, oh, you would get that reference or that joke if you, if you watched everything or you understood everything too, right? And it's, it doesn't detract from the enjoyment if you haven't seen it, but definitely adds to it if you have. All right, so with that, why don't we get into it? Let's start off with some opening thoughts. Lori, let's start it with you. Did you like this show? Yes. I think we know the answer to that. That's a strong yes. It's an
1: unequivocal yes. Am I saying it's the best show ever? But I liked it. Yeah. I was very excited to watch it immediately as soon as every new installment came out. I rewatched most episodes a few times. And yeah, there's definitely a part in there where my interest waned. Dipped a little right around that, like, Mid-season. three, four episode <laughs> mark. We just, and then came back up there at the end. But, <clears throat> and some of that we'll get into. It's deeply tied into the things about the show that I really didn't enjoy. And they were kind of all converging at, at that time in the series. Yeah, I liked it. So, what about you, Michael?
2: I. I'm not sure. I think there's a there's some things that I really liked about it, and there's some things that I really didn't like about it. And there's some things that I am embarrassed about liking about it. Because <laughs> I, think, I think that it's a... I think as a TV show, I think it, it works pretty well. It's just like a piece of entertainment. It looks great. The acting is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lightsaber fight scenes in it are, are great. I mean, better than a, a lot of the stuff in some of the movies even. But I think... The story that it's telling is a little stale. I think it's, it's it seemed pretty formulaic to me at points. And I think that those, I was in the same boat where it's around episode three or episode four. It's, I don't know where this is going. It just seems like people are just running around a lot. And it's not really advancing a plot. These characters aren't really developing. But I think the funny thing is, I rewatched the last episode today. And I think that episode hits pretty hit, pretty hard. Like, it, it's, it's good. By that point, like, I'm, I'm kind of on board with what it's doing. It's, as a, as a series as a Star Wars miniseries, I think it's hitting all the right notes. And I kind of realize that my problems with it are more kind of looking at it as a, a, a commodity. <laughs> What's yep. the purpose of this? I don't know yep. why they're telling this this story of all things other than to maybe reinforce a legacy, reinforce a franchise, or just sell people on whatever's coming up next. I think, I think I've gotten kind of pessimistic having been exposed to so much content. It's like, how come this all can't be a plus grade a great content. It's what's the purpose of this existing. If it's not, if you're not putting your heart into it hundred percent to try and make a good piece of narrative story media, like what's the, what's the ulterior motive here. I think that's the thing that bothered me most. It has, I mean, it has nothing to do with like the mechanics of the show itself.
1: <laughs> no, I think that's a fair criticism, though. And I've I've heard that from a few different places, that ultimately, what does this story matter? And if you don't watch this story... How are you negatively impacted? And if you compare to other Disney Plus shows, especially like what you see out of Marvel, like all of those miniseries are very much tied into like really core events that are going to come into play. So anyways, I, I think that's a, a fair point to be made and to, to feel like it did kind of lose its way a little bit in the middle there of trying to tell us why we should value and care that we were getting this story.
0: Yeah. And I think I probably reside somewhere between the two of you where I, I, I mean, the show is very well acted, some great performances by, by certain actors specifically. But I think that I appreciate it for what it is in the sense that understanding it is a commodity and that it is something that is sort of fan service of, but what exactly, what fans, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I yeah. feel like it was a bit pandering, but I'm pandering to who, I'm not quite sure. Because I don't think the fans asked for this. Or maybe that's the thing, is that it's kind of who asked for this. But I think that Ewan McGregor is a strong enough actor in this role to want to build a show around him. Like, I get that. Right. But I think that the issues that I had with it were a lot around the pacing And sort of the throwaway dialogue, a lot of the nature of that, where it's, I just read an article before this of some, of a fan edited the six episodes into a two hour movie. And I I look forward to watching that at some point (laughs) because I just feel like they could have served that purpose, I think a a lot easier. And, And I know we'll get into more discussion on that later too, but I think that overall I had a really hard time staying engaged while watching this had a very hard time not getting distracted and doing other things and so i think maybe that speaks to sort of like the acting was great but then the pacing of it maybe it's just adhd but <laughs> it's mm. like the pacing i would kind of lose interest of it and then it would be like oh something's happening now what's happening so yeah i think that's also why i don't have strong opinions on it because i wasn't super engaged while watching it
1: that is what happened to me though, like in episode three, four, is it wasn't hooking me and mm-hmm. I was then on my phone. And if I contrast that to like how, I, how it started for me, and I think a lot of this is about pandering fan service thing that they just totally nailed out of the gate to where I'm watching season one just like wide eyed and can't get enough of everything that I'm seeing and the possibility of this story. And guys, they kept Leia a secret. I had no idea <laughs> this show was going to be about little Leia. Like, she, this comes out and I'm like, holy shit. I mean, like, what a place to kind of mine. How did this happen? This could be a really great story. So there's all this potential. And then when they kind of lost their way yeah. or kind of defaulted, I think, to overtired themes or kind of like plot lines. Yeah, you check out and you're like, okay, well, now that immediate like sense of awe and wonder, that's gone now. Like I'm three episodes in and I want more and and we're not getting quite there. So I think that's fair that if, if you don't have that reaction to the first few episodes that like we did, then yeah, why the third and fourth one aren't going to be the ones to hook you in for this series? And again, that's all saying that generally speaking pretty darn good show with like really high production value pretty interesting things to look up and see on the tv every now and then
0: yeah for sure so i think with that then what were some of your favorite parts michael we'll pass it over to
2: you it's interesting you mentioned the Le- leia's character being kind of a surprise or a secret in this thing i didn't know that either that that she was going to be like a central character to this and i remember watching the, the first episode when it's like well, okay. So I guess going back a little bit, I rewatched episode three in preparation for this, and my God, that is a ter- is a terrible movie. Yes. But the in- that's a the terrible inter- movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's real bad. Yep. But the interesting thing is that that movie ends like literally the last five minutes is Luke and Leia are born, and then they're trying to figure out what to do with the kids. And Jimmy Smith's character says, "Well, we'll take the girl." My my wife and I have always wanted to adopt a girl, and then Obi Wan says, "Well." The boy can go live with his his family on Tatooine. And then Yoda tells Obi-Wan, you've got to go to Tatooine and watch over this kid. And then while you're there, I'm going to teach you how to basically communicate with Qui-Gon Jinn, your, your Jedi master, who's learned how to communicate with people from the grave, beyond the grave. And all that stuff happens in the show, right? So, I mean, when when it, the show starts and it's Obi-Wan in the desert by himself looking at this kid through a pair of binoculars and it's, oh, shit, it's, it's Luke Skywalker. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know this was going to be about, like, I mean, of course it's going to be about, based on the time period, it's going to be about these kids. But, oh, man, it's going to be about him looking, taking care of Luke Skywalker. And then all of a sudden the show's actually, it's going to be about him rescuing Leia. Like... That was a big surprise to me, a a very pleasant surprise, too, because I'm of the opinion that Leia is a much more interesting character than Luke, and I think that bears out even as them as kids in this. I don't think kid Luke has any lines of dialogue in this, right? So I did like that it was focusing on this character that, that doesn't really get much attention. I mean, Leia's a big part of the original trilogy and in the sequels, too, but... I, I don't think she's the main focus of this. And I think she's gotten short shrift in a lot of, a lot of portrayals, like Star Wars movies and portrayals of her. So I, 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 like, I like that you got to see her background as much as or even more than Obi-Wan's continuing story. That was very interesting to me. But yeah, I, th- I think that kind of focus tapers off a little bit way through the, through the series. But I, I thought that was very interesting. It almost justified episode three to me, <laughs> watching them kind of together.
0: Yeah, see, and it was great because you rewatched episode three, the movie, and it jogged your memory of all those things that happened, and I just watched the recap that they had before yeah. <laughs> Obi-Wan, <Yeah. laughs> and it was like, it's oh great, thank you for recapping this for me so that I don't have to sit through this movie. Yeah, and so I think young Le- young Leia was definitely a high point, so well acted. I think the actress who plays her and the actress who plays the, the little girl queen or princess or whatever in Game of Thrones, I would watch a show with both of mm-hmm. them, like as sisters or something. But yeah, I think that young Leia was definitely a twist. And I think it was interesting that they brought Luke back at the end too, where they kind of made it about them. So Lori, when you were talking about how I I, I definitely lost interest in episodes three and four, but episode one, I think was probably my favorite in a lot of ways because because it was sort of reintroducing me to the feelings of watching something Star Wars related. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it was like the humor in that was really something that I, I forgot about. And in, in particular, when the Inquisitors are landing in, I don't even know what planet it is in the beginning, but all the people are scattering. And I just see these like Jawas with their blanket, with all of their stolen shit, and they're just, like, wrapping it up and running away. And it's exactly like, oh, yeah, shit, the cops are here. Run away. <laughs> and, and I just think about the level of thought that goes into, like, oh, we should do that. I appreciate that. But, uh, Lori, what did you love about this? I
1: mean, we've already talked about little Leia. And, and yeah, all of that, I think, was definitely a highlight. I have a lot of Leia-Lola love. <laughs> Okay. I think the the droids of Star Wars are one of the just cutest, best parts, and so I like that we got a new one in Lola. I mean, she looks like a Disc Man, but <laughs> I think that me of Short also Circuit. is like a callback to the generation that like love Star Wars and grew up with it a little bit more. So yeah, loved that. And then, wow, I'm really sticking with my L theme here, but we mentioned the lightsaber battles and it's worth returning to because they were really phenomenal. And in my memory, it's the first time we saw grabbing of lightsabers out of hands using the force. And that felt like a, a really new trick to me. And the way that it was used in telling the story, I just found really, really fascinating. Like in episode five, I think, where you get the all the flashbacks to Anakin and Obi-Wan training together, where, you know, Anakin's being very aggressive and Obi-Wan is like coaching him and Obi-Wan eventually like kicks his ass. And at one point does so without a weapon in hand. But he grabs the lightsaber from Anakin and then shuts it down and hands it back to him. Doesn't use it against him. Later, we see Vader do the same thing and the lightsaber he pulls, he kills or like wounds Revo with, right? She should have died, but anyways. <laughs> like So I found that. like just super super interesting and even the way the lightsaber battles were shot where their faces were lit and either the blue or the red light and you see it change and the way that that visually tells a story right without any words or like anything else going on so loved that and also just mentioning those flashbacks between obi-wan and anakin like training together i loved seeing obi-wan as a master coaching anakin and and you really see that i don't know like obi-wan from what I've seen, did a pretty good job. Like, Anakin, you can't blame the master in this situation, I feel like, for what happened here with Anakin. So yeah, those were all pieces of the story and the show that I just really loved. And and part of a lot of the reasons that I was rewatching was to experience those moments again.
0: Yeah, I had a thought about the lightsaber thing after he stabs Reva and it's, yeah, she should be dead. But then I was thinking, I was like, well lightsabers are the perfect weapon to exist within this, like, Disney universe because there's no blood, right? Everything right. gets cauterized <laughs> when, you, when you use a lightsaber. But then at the same time, if you stab somebody with, with it, it gets cauterized. So... Is that why she doesn't die? I don't know.
1: Qui Gon's, I mean, oh, like, Qui Gon's yeah. and Obi Wan were off pretty easily here. <laughs> and, and then I'm also
0: like watching this, and it's like all oh, these Jedi's are like fighting off these stormtroopers or whatever, and then they like use a little blaster, and it's like they get shot once and then they're dead. And it's really Jedi's, like, I guess they're not bulletproof or whatever or blaster proof, but it seems like stormtroopers at least have armor that protects them enough from that so the technology exists <laughs> so it's like why don't they just i get that you I, you have the force and everything but you can also the force protect doesn't, yourself with other stuff
1: <laughs> doesn't seem to be enough though guys like yeah, yeah.
2: I, I don't know star wars pr- plays pretty loose with, with violence sometimes yeah. i mean like re- re-watching the episode three it's like there's a lot of decapitations in that in yes. that movie and then Anakin gets full on mutilated and tortured yep. at the end of that movie and then he survives somehow yep. so I think it, I think it really is it's like violence doesn't matter what really matters is like who the who the show or the movie wants to keep alive they'll keep yep. alive and if someone dies who isn't integral to the story like they'll just bring them back to life I mean that, ha- that happened in the show too right <laughs>
1: worst yeah. case they'll do half like robot or mechanical body parts and yeah that was used like, a lot uh, in both of that
0: was it like fennec fennec chan yeah, right in mandalorian it's- oh yeah she died right nope she's back yeah Cause we- cause exactly. we she okay. now
1: has a metal abdomen
0: all right well that was things that we liked and kind of things that we didn't like i guess <laughs> any other things that stood out to you that, that you just really disliked yeah I, I gotta talk
1: about I gotta <laughs> talk about third sister like Reva here because that storyline was absolute trash Agreed. and pretty much almost disrespectful to Moses that that's what they wrote for her <laughs> and yep. I I just the only way this works for me and even then it is a huge stretch because. She was a horrible, horrible person with no redemption arc except she didn't kill Luke at the end after (laughs) murdering massive amounts of people while she was trying to get Vader. And she spent all that time plotting to get him and he like beat her so quickly i'm like you didn't train hard enough like what she should have been invincible by the time she went for him and i don't know i mean i know that doesn't work with the storyline right but then then that shouldn't have been the story that was written for her it's an absolute travesty and maybe if in season two which is still rumored to be a possibility she takes on more of a Tala role and really, like, reverses into doing a heck of a lot of good. But I just don't even think that's enough. And I really think she should have just died when Vader impaled her. I don't know how they can save this.
0: <laughs> yeah, this, it's so problematic for so many reasons. I just feel, first of all, how did she survive the massacre right. at the Jedi Temple? What was it? So she played dead. Okay, you don't think that Anakins can sense that you're alive? I think so many of these things, it's like we are made to believe that Darth Vader is so incredibly powerful and then he can't feel you sneaking up behind him, Ravel, Like, really? Because what? He's so distracted thinking about Obi-Wan? <laughs> like, it's just its in some ways we're made to believe oh yeah, he's, he's completely indestructible he's survived all of this crazy stuff and then at the same time we're, we're meant to believe that he wouldn't like nobody would double check to make sure that they killed all of the Jedi in the temple. And then even if that was the case where she fooled them, so then did they explain how she became, did she come back and say, oh, I'm not, like I'm not this person or whatever? Like she posed as somebody else and then she just went into the Inquisitors or they knew that she survived because then it's, well, you were playing dead, but then he knew they, I don't understand. It was very confusing to me.
1: I don't think, I guess for me, I just interpreted that as, I don't think they know, and to your point, I don't understand why we have the Force, but we very much do not seem to detect life when it's still around. Vader, right. I mean, how has Vader not sensed that he has two kids that are, like, out there, <laughs> I like how is this a surprise anyways
0: i think it's like what michael is saying they're pretty fast and loose with the way that these things work in this universe so it's oh yeah in the force i'm force sensitive so sometimes i can like really read your mind for
2: things yeah. and
1: another time, whatever works like, no, for this know. story right exactly yeah, yeah
2: and, I, and i mean that's a thing that comes up in other star wars movies it's, Oh, i can sense i can sense somebody else who has the force or who's using the force It's like yeah why couldn't you do that after you murdered all these kids. You yeah. <laughs> couldn't <In the> sense that <laughs> one of them was still alive. That's uh, but yeah, what I yeah, was going think... to
1: say. I think they didn't know that somebody survived, so they just didn't have the yeah. force then. And then they found her on the streets and recruited her. So I don't know if they ever connected like her history. Yeah.
2: I... I'm sure you'll, we'll find out in another season or some spinoff or something. But, yeah, that, that character is complicated to me, too, because I like that character for the most part. And I think a lot of it has to do with Moses Ingram just being, like, a really great actor in that role. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. I mean, you talked about this thing where it's like she's a horrible person. There's, like, a scene where she cuts off a person's hands, right, in the show. And then at the end, it's she has this change of heart because she remembers that she, she also used to be a kid. So it's bad to kill kids.
0: And it's, wait, did you just remember your origin story like you just yeah. remembered why you started on it, was this always a quest for vengeance or right. it was like oh mm-hmm. nope i had a little chat with obi-wan between a metal door and now yeah. i remember
2: <laughs> yeah it's because you seem to have been brooding about this your entire freaking life right. like <laughs> very weird yeah very weird but turnaround I, yeah i think that kind of thing like a pure vengeance story like that not super original and i think that's that's kind of lazy writing for a character that otherwise could have been pretty complex. I also think that if you've got to tack on a warning after the fact on all your episodes that like your show has content that might be upsetting to people, it's like maybe you shouldn't have a massacre as the the central impetus for a character, a character, at least one character in your show. Like that, that seems kind of lazy. And I think that's, that's the kind of thing too, with a lot of this, especially Marvel, the Marvel TV series, like a lot of it kind of focuses on this, like, lazy extreme trauma that people go through as being they're being like their entire purpose for existing or their entire Mm -hmm. motivation for being good or bad and i I think that comes into play a lot here And i mean that that's kind of an easy way to 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 characterize and an easy way to tell a story but I'm, i'm just kind of tired of that stuff Do something more interesting, make this character more complex or actually give her like an interesting backstory, explain why she is the way she is or why she changes her mind like a little bit more carefully.
1: Yeah. Quit Um, doing such a linear relationship between, okay, trauma. So it's a vengeance story, right? A lot of people experience trauma and we have very diverse stories. So why does it always have to go like in a straight line from point A to point B?
3: Yeah.
0: Yep. So then with that, let's switch focus to another character, character that I actually really liked was Tala. I thought that the, the, her backstory was a lot more complex. And I mean, again, another fantastic performance, but man, they did her dirty. Why, that was so fucking frustrating of like, you have this great character, completely understand her journey of, she was like in what, in the empire, right? She was an imperial guard. But then she was just a foot soldier and then realized what her actions were doing and then changed, but then stayed as as like a double agent essentially. And so was doing the most good that she could to sort of redeem all of the stuff that she had done unintentionally. Although she could have figured out, oh, I'm I'm not a good person. (laughs) But but I think that like the way that they ended that and her sacrificing herself to get Obi-Wan out of there and then for him to just come right back and surrender, it was like, are you fucking kidding me? You couldn't have just given you, if that was what you were gonna do, you couldn't have done that 20 minutes before. And, and that. Tala even spent said how many that. years of her life? <laughs> he and she's it. rescued so many people. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. but that's
1: exactly yeah. what Rogan says. He's, but, but Tala just died and you want to go right. back? <laughs> and as he's asking, I'm like, yeah, exactly. This is a half-baked plan, buddy.
2: Yeah. yeah i mean it is the kind of thing too where it's, this character is cool has an interesting backstory it's like an interesting character and another great actor too in that role but it's like why do you have to kill off this character is it just so right. you, you have to introduce more sad stuff to motivate character another character to continue leaving or to, to, to take action at the expense of another character that people like like that that doesn't make sense to me as a storytelling decision
1: I'm gonna do the thing I hate sometimes when people do. But you keep her. Why would you kill her? You keep her. She can have great love stories with you and McGregor as far as I'm concerned. But also, this is a way to bring little Leia back. Think of like Tala mentoring little Leia Mm -hmm. and how that helps her because we see the spark here with her getting Tala's holster Mm -hmm. and asking Tala about like shooting blasters, and you can see that already the little like revolutionary is like forming in her and that's a story i mean we loved little leia love i would watch more of that but if you gave me something compelling like this and then obviously it's really cool because it's like a woman-led like centric story Mm -hmm. that you get to see and uh, that's something we could use more of for sure
0: i feel like the resistance in all of the newer movies too are very heavily female-led Mm-hmm. you know it's like you had leia and then you had ray and she was kind of doing her own thing too but then you had marie trans character and then you had laura dern Good. oh mm-hmm. and then you got oscar isaac being a little hot shot maverick guy fucking up the plans <laughs> just listen <laughs> to the women they know what they're doing
2: <laughs> I, I think that is a deliberate choice on, on the, mm-hmm. at least the production side of it that they're introducing more female characters in these and more people of color mm-hmm. and i i, I think at, at times it does feel a little heavy-handed like that boba fett show I, I jokingly sometimes refer to that as like the woke star wars show <laughs> you've got he's a bad guy but actually he's a good guy I so you've got all this like mm-hmm. indigenous stuff that's like clear homage to indigenous culture which is, that's very cool but it is so oof they really need for that yeah, kind of show yeah but i do like that that, that 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 stuff is just it's very matter of fact especially in obi-wan kenobi it's like this character most of the most of the secondary characters other than obi-wan kenobi are women in that show mm-hmm. now that i think about it yeah
0: yeah yeah, I mean, like, kind of listed out like the main characters, anyways, and, and it was just Obi Wan and then Third Sister and Reva, Tala, and then Young Leia. So it's three three women and yeah. then Obi Wan. At least so, the, the interesting characters. The be interesting, yeah, the yeah, characters worth discussing,
2: anyways. Yeah, but, but I, I think I think that is part of the problem, this continuing problem of this franchise doing these characters dirty, where it's like Kelly Marie Tran's character. Yep got totally fucked by the third movie. She's like barely in it. Yep. And I think it's the kind of thing where it's like the people behind writing these shows probably know what they're doing, that this is uh, what they should be doing. But, you know, when when fans, toxic fandom pushes back, it's like, well, we don't know how to really give people fan service. We want to give people what they want, which means killing off a character who we've only introduced like, two episodes previously in, in Obi-Wan Kenobi just for the purpose of propelling Obi-Wan's story forward. So I, I don't really... Th- think it makes sense to pick and choose which characters live or die just so that like your your title character can have have a story that's that, that, seem, that right. seems a little cheap to me I think
1: right. using death in that way is just again it's like a played out trick and it's just it's like the one they just keep picking up and it's
3: yep.
1: it just feels just try something else anything else right like at times and and it's almost like just it's it's been overused, right? So it's just mm-hmm. not cool, it's not compelling, it doesn't help us have a deeper understanding of the character anymore. So I yeah. feel
0: like that the use of that too, it makes me like the main character less in the sense that it's like there's a a path of bodies that Obi-Wan has let die mm-hmm. because he was reluctant to get in and help Leia or to get into the fight. Yeah, and yeah. and it's this constant, oh well. Is it is it doing more good or am I risking more by by being involved than just by standing on the sidelines and watching? And it's okay, man. How many people have to get decapitated before you're you're gonna actually take action? And then it's oh okay, it's twenty minutes after Tala blows herself up. That's that's when it's oh you're gonna make a little pivot here. Yeah. Really, yeah. So I think Obi Wan. I, I get that they were trying to paint him kind of as this a bit of this tormented soul, right? Of that he's so broken from what happened with Anakin and, and that he needs to sort of find find the will again to be a Jedi. But using all of these characters' deaths as the device to get him to that place was just, yeah, it was just very lazy. <laughs> and uh, it just really cheapened the story kind of too. So. Well, and
1: at the end of the day, I think the really compelling part of how Obi-Wan kind of comes back into his Force powers because of his relationship with Leia. <laughs> so yep. you could have just put more into that and you didn't need both because that's what the glue is, really. I hate to go backwards, but we were talking about Tala. And the one thing, you know, with her is I don't have any doubts about whether or not she's a good person because of the way that loader droid loved her which means he treats her <laughs> droids well and that loader droid sacrificed himself in a most beautiful way i mean that was i do not like they definitely did her dirty i do not like that they killed her it was beautiful unfortunately <laughs>
0: it's It's interesting too that you bring up that scene in particular too, and that relationship with her and the loader droid, because it's, it mirrors like what they show as part of Leia, right? When her cousin is treating the droid like shit and she's, you, you're not, you need to be polite. And it's like, it's a droid. And it's sort of like, you have no respect for anything living or sentient or whatever. And so it, it, it makes me even more mad that they killed Tala off because what a mentor for Leia, right?
3: Yeah. Like they are
0: so similar. This is how Leia becomes General Organa. Like, yes. so yeah, I would watch that series a hundred times over if Tala was in it, especially. <laughs>
1: I just we'll see how they bring her back. Though, when you said this is how Leia becomes General Organa, and just like remembering Carrie like playing that role, I mean that I think that's one of the most beautiful things about this show is that bridge with little Leia that you can totally. It was just acted so perfectly and written so perfectly that you're like, of course, this is General Organa as a child, and that that whole piece that was this is such high highs, right? And then some
0: <laughs> lower lows. The show really put us through the ringer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you
1: know All we right. haven't. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, we haven't really talked about Obi-Wan, though. Like, you were just starting to, and <laughs> yeah, I kind no, of don't reversed. need to. That's
2: fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, let's take a little break, but for, we should finish up the talking about Obi-Wan. And before we talk about Obi-Wan, I do want to say that in future movies or series or whatever they have, I would love to see O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s father, Ice Cube, play the older version of him. Because <laughs> I feel like that would be so poetic of, like, He's playing the the younger version of his father in Straight Outta Compton, and then now it's oh yeah, bring back Ice Cube, and he can play the future version of you.
2: Yeah, I, yeah. I, now that you mention o- O'Shea Jackson Jr., it's like that character was interesting, but he's barely in the show. Yep, and it's like all these all these side characters, these, these like recognizable actors to me at least i get like a real thrill out of seeing actors from other things that i like I, like camille nanjiani has like a pretty big role in this but this oh. character's like yeah. kind of goofy you don't mm-hmm. give, really give him much time i like, love jackson singing. jr total thrill seeing him amaya yeah. erskine in the same scene yeah but she's like barely in this yeah it's like why why are you teasing me with these like these cameos <laughs> yeah. right yeah. benny safdi i think is in like the first two episodes and they, they kill him and then I, I mean i gotta shout out my dude Sung King Han from Fast and Furious He's like barely in. He like disappears yeah. halfway into the show. Well,
0: I think you know why that is, Michael. It's probably because they need to cast people for those roles, and those people probably really want to be in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> and so it's like, sure, Maya Erskine, you can be a, an X Wing pilot. Or it's like, yeah, Daniel Craig, you can be a stormtrooper this and you have one life. Yeah. And this ends up you know? in the Game yeah. of Thrones,
1: guys. It's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was looking earlier on IMDb and saw that Billy Butcher is a stormtrooper in one of the. Skywalker movies, he's uncredited. So I'm like, he just had a friend who was like, "Oh, cool! I'll wear a stormtrooper outfit." <laughs> yeah, what a fun thing! That
2: I, I mean, that I can understand. You're know, like throwing your friend a bone just to give him a, a thrill on set. But this is like you're casting people who can actually act and giving them one line of dialogue. Yeah, like, yeah it's seems bizarre to me.
1: I did not know that was Ice Cube's son, guys. I had to Google. <laughs> you did it. Like, I did not know that. That just like kind of blew my mind <laughs> a
0: little bit. Yeah. Now when you go back and watch it, that's all you're going to be able to see.
1: It's all I'm already, like, seeing in my <laughs> yeah. head, actually. So, yeah, it's there.
0: All right, let's do final thoughts on Obi-Wan then, and then we'll take a commercial break.
2: Obi-Wan the character. Obi-Wan the character.
0: <laughs> yes, the character, not the show. So, uh,
2: again, I think I think having just watched episode three very recently, there is a stark contrast between Ian McGregor's portrayal of that character in the prequel trilogy and in the show because in the prequels he's he's pretty cocky like he's a he's kind of a hot shot he's, he's very confident he's very active in those movies and in this he's just like a husk of a man and mm-hmm. I, I i think that's kind of what the show is about right that he's just kind of resigned to his fate but he's obsolete that he has no place in this world anymore and he all he has to do is protect one person that's his job just protect one person but you know, I think a lot of it is him finding his reason for existing throughout the show. And I, I, Ewan McGregor's a great actor. Uh, like, I, I think his acting in, in this show is, like, significantly better than anything in the prequels. Mm-hmm. Probably just because the material he has, he's working with is better, but... He's also yeah, matured he
1: a lot as an actor, right? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. been 20 years since he was in those movies, so... Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I think I think there is a pretty stark contrast between where his character was in those prequels and then you know what it's supposed to be like 10 years later story story storyline wise nine ten years later and i think that change is is pretty pretty apparent from at least his portrayal of that character so i i I liked it again it's the kind of thing where it's like did i need to see this yeah i don't know i don't really need to see like the connecting thread between ewan mcgregor obi-wan and alec alec guinness obi-wan like that's not a necessary thing i didn't feel like that was missing in my in my life but i I think it was it could have been worse i guess his story yeah i I think it i i think i think the very interesting thing is that his character in this series is really more in service of other characters like his reason for existing is to support other characters and give other characters a backstory which I, i i i think i guess i appreciated now that i'm looking back on it i thought that was kind of a nice stepping stone as him as a kind of a supporting character in this
0: yeah, I cuz I didn't need this backstory or this continuation of the Obi-Wan story, but what I do need more of in my life is little Leia. And this is setting that up, then yeah, I will definitely support it as a, as a transition to that next phase of, you know, MCU's got like the young Avengers. They're just going to have, hopefully they're not just going to have young Leia and young Luke. <laughs> they're going to have <laughs> other characters, but it is kind of a step in that same direction too. Oof, young Luke just looks boring. I
1: mean, <laughs> yeah. I feel bad yeah, for I it. So I think, I think you guys are right. Obi-Wan took an L, man, and he took it hard. <laughs> (laughs) And it's, it's a big L, right? I mean, that is a lot to just be You're a Jedi and you're out here And you're on all these missions And you're working all of this like political magic And then you're mentoring somebody Who turns out to be the worst in the galaxy For a really long time And yeah, I mean, I think he probably did need 10 years To kind of hide in a cave And figure out how he wants I think his whole sense of being was really shaken to the point where it's well everything I thought like I knew as a Jedi and that I was doing completely failed in this really horrific way
0: yeah Mm -hmm. Um, and that everything he thought he was doing right as a mentor yeah like a parent figure to Anakin and how that turned out, and then his reluctance to have anything to do with Luke or Leia, yeah. probably for fear of fucking him up. You know? Yeah.
1: But you yeah. have to remember, and this is where I think, like, Obi-Wan, it's not his fault what Anakin did, it's Anakin's fault what Anakin did and let's also not forget that it's not like anakin was just dealing with obi-wan no he's got palpy over here like whispering (laughs) all these terrible ideas that he unfortunately is wanting to hear at that time i think obi-wan took it hard and i think anybody would because he obviously was very passionate about that role that he was filling and then it really didn't turn out at all the way anyone hoped and and also was awful so yeah but I I do see Obi-Wan evolve and find this new purpose and kind of find his way back through Luke and Leia but I mean it is a story we've seen a few times and we've seen it with with even Luke a little bit too and so it is it's that I think Emily to your point it's Honestly, if this is the gateway to Little Leia and and more of those stories, then I'm down for it. And along the way, we got to see Ewan McGregor act this role, I think, the best that anybody could have done. So I, I think there's a lot here. And when I do think about, oh, does it really matter to the story? I know there are parts of it that I will hold. With the canon, to that point, like, it's really great to have some more moments with those characters to kind of hold on to in addition to all of the other ones that are kind of your favorites.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay. Yep. All right. Laurie, as you were talking about Palpatine, I was just thinking, I was like, oh man, he's basically like 4chan. He's just like in Anakin's ear. Do this. Oh my God.
1: He's like the worst <laughs> threads ever. Like,
0: yeah, the worst. Got totally, oh, got totally he's corrupted. Totally- yeah. All right. Well, on that uplifting note, let's take a commercial break and then we'll take an actual break for all of us.
2: You know him as a member of the High Council and one of the most powerful Jedi's of his time second only to Yoda. But before his service in the Clone Wars, did you ever wonder how Mace Windu became the war-hardened leader you know and love? Set in the urban streets of Horn Call, a new series will trace the adventures and mishaps of a hot-headed young Mace as he leaves his home world for the Jedi Order and climbs the ranks of the Jedi. Tune in as Mace struggles with authority. No more training do you require. Already know you. Like what you need. Look, all brothers don't know how to shoot guns, you racist motherfucker. Navigates workplace jargon. You must realize there aren't enough Jedi to protect the Republic. We're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. Only the Dark Lord of the Sith knows of our weakness. If informed, the Senate is multiply our adversaries' will.
3: English, motherfucker, do you speak it?
2: And even tries to find love. Cancel golf today.
3: It's off your calendar.
2: Good. Because it's date night. The chosen one, the boy may be. Nevertheless,
3: grave danger. Shut the fuck up, fat man. This ain't none of your goddamn business.
2: Streaming this fall, May's face on Disney Plus.
3: Hold on to your butts.
0: Well, welcome back from the break. So that was needed. That was a lot of lot of discussion on on Obi One. That was that was good talk, guys. <laughs> we got into some stuff. I I, I think I, I have. I have stronger feelings about the show. Maybe I'll go and watch it again. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But coming back from the break. So I think we wanted to to talk about some of the themes that were presented in the series. So what were some of the themes in the series? I think definitely stories of redemption. Some of them told better than others. (laughs) But very much... uh, I think centered around those, right? So for Obi-Wan, redemption story, as far as all of the damage that he thinks he did or or the role that he played in Anakin becoming Darth Vader. And then redemption, Tala's character was all about redeeming herself. And then I feel like Reva, yeah, I guess that was the attempt <laughs> at it. Yeah, what else?
2: Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. This is <laughs> where it gets hard for me because I don't really know what the show is about.
0: Right. What was this show supposed to be about? What, what, what do we think that was the show was supposed to be about? I've, the show was about being a show with Ewan McGregor that people would watch.
1: The show <laughs> was about yeah, I think like Obi Wan finding his way back yeah. to the Force via a weird side like hustle over to go save Leia when he thought he was only ever going to be watching Luke.
0: Yeah, yeah. Obi Wan gets his groove back. Yeah, that's what this mm-hmm. is. That's what it is.
1: There was <laughs> really a part two it. to that. They should have just so. yeah.
0: They should have just named it that and made it really obvious of what they were trying to do. Okay, so Obi Wan gets his groove back. We're done. That's that's good. We're, that's a wrap. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we came back hot from that
3: break. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's pretty much the themes. It's kind of like you got the whole master apprentice relationship yep. and. And sort of that parental figure, and then a lot of trauma around separating parents and orphans, and what that that traumatic lack of a parent relationship does. I guess so. Kind of dark for Disney programming, I guess. When I think about it, yeah. (laughs) For kids, especially. Yeah. Hey, kids, let's (laughs) watch this family show together with a content warning before it, because there's going to be a cauterized massacre. And then it's going to talk about how screwed up you're going to be if you lose your parents in a very traumatic fashion.
1: <laughs> what every Disney animated film is about, too. And they
0: I mean, kill basically. a parent basically, all the
1: time. This is the Disney yeah. treasure trope. Yeah.
0: Parents do not not make out well in anything Disney-related. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that I think about it, that device oh of, of death as a, a motivator for action is just very overplayed they gotta figure out other ways to tell stories
1: I think (laughs) they're starting to right it's like turning red like that's a full family
0: yeah yes
1: multi-generational coming together I I see a light of moving away from Bambi's
0: parents don't have to die
2: yeah there's other things in life that can make you sad or upset other than somebody <laughs> mm-hmm. dying,
0: or that it's maybe they're getting further removed from it so they're talking more like in canto right it's like trauma a lot of trauma physical trauma with the death of that the grandfather but then it's more about the generational trauma and the ripples whereas star wars is still very much right in the killing part of it
2: yeah, yeah I, it's I, a little I, too on I the nose, to
1: the trauma yeah
2: <laughs> so speaking of Encanto and I think that, that's an interesting comparison between Encanto and this show or like any other Star Wars thing or literally any other media <laughs> on, on television now I'd to this interview this podcast where there's some critic talking about Encanto and how he didn't like Encanto because it didn't have a clear villain in it <laughs> and that's the mm-hmm. kind of thing where I heard that I was like why would any story even a story about like right versus wrong good versus evil need a villain in it yeah like you don't need somebody to be actively harming you or to be a clear antagonist to you, to have conflict in your life.
1: The thing about the villain is then you resort to the storyline of, oh, well, now we have to kill the villain. And so then as watchers, you start rooting for, well, they've got to kill this person or take them out. So then that makes me feel icky. That's not Mm -hmm. what I want to root for in the story. So, yeah, it's it's a dangerous aggression.
0: It's always like uh, when there's a villain, it's like they either need to get taken out, and then you have mixed feelings about that, hmm. right? But then they can't get taken out by the hero because then that turns them into the villain then, right? Mm-hmm. So it's – but then – it's not like they have qualms of necessarily about murdering other people along the way.
1: No. And then if right. they <laughs> take the villain out, they're probably going to bring the villain back. Somehow the villain survives <laughs> yeah. and right. then moves into Superville. I mean, guys, the story yeah. is played, so.
0: Yeah. I think Star Wars and, I mean, MCU and just anything Disney related, it definitely toes the line between trying to make, make it clear that really the villain is... Imperialism, right? Where it's it's <laughs> literally the empire, right? And it's these these institutions and these military complexes, but they kind of dance around it. There was yeah, no, 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 no. It's actually this one person. It's just this one person. They they just choked a guy with the force. So you see that he's evil. It's clear cut. <laughs> Don't think anymore about this it is... and buy this action figure.
1: <laughs> love love that you're saying that because this is exactly what I was thinking about earlier when we were talking about Vader and like how. Where where does Vader's power come from right now? I mean, let's think about it. He's missing limbs. He's working with animatronics. He can't breathe outside of his mask. Physically, not the best out there and, can, and definitely can and was like bested. So his power is because he has this giant pyramid structure underneath him of all these people carrying out terrible events so there's all of these terrible events that he as a people manager you get to take credit for everything <laughs> everyone under you does so yeah. it's really interesting because the power that vader has at this stage is not something he's like physically able to execute on he's built it he's built an engine to do it for him
0: as you're saying this Larry I'm just a i'm just i I had the image of Trump running up, the, I mean, walking up the I stairs mean, yeah. <laughs> to the balcony when he had COVID is flashing through my head. I'm just, and he gets up to the top and he's like super winded yep, it's the power structure of everybody <laughs> underneath him that yeah. is doing his bidding that is keeping him in power, yeah
2: absolutely. yeah. two two points on that. I think George Lucas is like on record as saying that the original movie is just an allegory for the Vietnam War and that mm. the Empire is the United States. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean that that checks out. The other thing too. it's I don't want to give episode three too much credit because I still think that's a terrible movie. <laughs> but there's a point in that in that movie where when Mace Windu dies. And Palpatine kills him, and he's—he's. He's, I think he tells Anakin, you're not going to tell anybody about this, since like, there's no way you can convince people that I'm the bad guy because I've got the entire Senate mm-hmm. in my pocket."
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's just like per- perfect, perfect summation of at least American politics, where it doesn't yeah. matter if you have any power at all. It's like as long as people agree with you, that's more powerful than anything else. That's as long as you've got like evil. you know the yeah. the me- the, me- the mechanism wielding power you don't actually need to have the power yourself
3: yeah
1: the real evil yeah. is yeah definitely that you can get people to do that and it's almost like we were talking about viv wood <laughs> emily and it's oh like, yeah when they're that smart that they're pulling the strings in that way like when tell anybody <laughs> they're not gonna believe you you're in that's not gonna work it's dang that is that's a power yeah. move to just be able to like say that out and be like, nah, I, come on. Yeah. I'm winning. Yeah.
0: This. Like try it. Try yeah, it. I hear sure. you. Yeah. whatever. Try it. I mean,
1: that's pretty insane.
0: But when people do start saying things, and <laughs> as we've seen, it can start to chip away at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so everybody stay vigilant is what we're saying. <laughs> Those are the themes. It's, it's like redemption and vigilance. And, uh, yeah, taking down power structures. Those are the things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what Disney wanted us to take away from it, right? No, the main theme
1: is how Obi-Wan gets his groove back. (laughs) That's the main theme. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, from here on out, we will only refer to this show as how obi-wan gets his groove back i think that's <laughs> what you
1: should name this
0: episode yeah we have renamed it that will be the title of this episode yes <laughs>
2: that's a that's a weird thing about this show about being about obi-wan getting his groove back it's for what purpose though yeah what oh, are we gonna he... do
0: now yeah, <laughs> Just look at uh, luke
2: <laughs> yeah, he's like, okay, he's he's like a sad dude in the beginning. Yeah. He has to find a reason to live, I guess. Yeah. That's his his arc over the six episodes. And then what? He's just gonna go off into the desert and talk to Liam Neeson's ghost for the next ten years.
0: Yeah, season two of Obi Wan is going to be him talking to Liam Neeson in the desert and then like speed dating on Tatooine. It's yeah. gonna be like, Oh, that Ben Kenobi quite oh, the ladies', ladies man. man. <laughs> yeah. I think I might watch that though. I would, and I think I might be more interested in that. Dating
1: on, Tatooine. I mean, I, I, would definitely... I would watch a reality yeah. show of Obi Wan Kenobi like as the bachelor on Tatooine. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just think that I. I guess what this, what I'm, what this is making me realize is I'm not sick of seeing these same characters and things. I just want to be them. I just want to see them in situations very, very, very different than what they've been in before. <laughs> yeah. And yes. so for yeah. Obi-Wan, that'd be, like, a romantic one. Yeah, you know?
2: no, that, that'd be yeah. fine. If it's a character I already know, that I'm learning something new yes. about them. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I already yeah. know that he's, like, a broken man who has trust issues and probably doesn't want kids. That's yeah. that, that That will come up. That emotional baggage will come up on his speed dates. Oh, man, he's got I mean, so much emotional
1: baggage because mm. in canon... That dude, I mean, yeah. he found great love and dead.
0: Yeah. So yeah, Disney Disney Plus. If you want, if you want me to workshop this for you, <laughs> I will do that for. We got a pitch for you. <laughs> I have got a pitch for you. <laughs> I've got a commodity to sell you. We Obi Wan pitching Danny for Joe.
1: free on this.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 We we are pitching for free right now. Okay. <laughs> Man. Okay. So. Those were the themes, him getting his groove back, redemption, vengeance, power structures, the usual, the usual for Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the production because I think that one thing that we can all agree on, I think that anybody can agree on is that the production value of all of these Star Wars series that are coming out and these movies are just excellent because they have these huge budgets now. You look at a, a trash movie like episode one through three, and just how technology has moved since then. And it's it's amazing. I think some of the things that they're doing and I think a lot of the technology is what has helped with making the lightsaber battles so much more effective and so much more dynamic too. What did you guys think of the production value though and the use of the special effects?
1: I think, I mean, Star Wars actually as a franchise might be better at world building than storytelling. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that is one of the strengths is this has always been a very well-developed visual world. And there's always so much attention to detail. I mean, you mentioned like the Jawas earlier, but like every scene has something in the background to follow that kind of enriches your understanding of what this culture is like with all of these different species interacting and uh yeah, watching it and with the advancement of technology that only brings that more to life and honestly since now i have been to disneyland and been to like the <laughs> star wars section that was my favorite part of disneyland mm-hmm. because it's so immersive and and so anytime you get to return to that familiar world, I think, and when it's done in such a beautiful way, I mean, the production value is insane, really, for a TV show. It's going to be very interesting to see how the production value of the Lord of the Rings show is going to compare because that's supposed to be one of the like biggest, biggest budgets, right, for like tv or streamer or whatever you want to call it but anyways i think this show is definitely up there in that top echelon and it shows and it only helps you like further fall in love with with that world that they've created yeah
2: yeah 100 i agree 100 percent. i think this show could have been significantly worse story-wise character-wise and i probably still would have watched it because Mm -hmm. For me, a lot of it is just, like, this familiarity <clears throat> with this world, the Star Wars world, just, like... It, it is almost, like, a very sensory thing to me. Where it's the textures of their clothes and just, like, the way that the streets and the backdrops look and lightsabers and, like, pew-pew spaceship stuff. But I think it is, like, a... It's a world that I'm very familiar with, and it, it seems very comfortable to me. And I think, I think this show and, like... The other Disney Plus shows, and then even the new movie, especially the new movies too, it's there's so much care into all the details of this being like a fully lived in place that I, I, it's easy for me to get lost in that. And I, th- I think your family and I, we all went to, to Disney World like right before pandemic too, mm-hmm. or Disneyland right before mm-hmm. the pandemic. And that Star Wars thing was like it was pretty mind blowing to me because it's oh yeah, all this th- all the stuff I've seen on screen mm-hmm. a million times before. Oh, it's it's real. It feels even more real than it does on screen, but. I think I think it is the same kind of thing, just like this this textures and the sounds and just the sense of being in a, a place that's completely different, but somehow familiar. I mean it's something that I've lived with for since I was a kid, right? Yeah. I, I think a lot of that too, getting to the production on this too, it's like a lot of that has to do with technology catching up very fast. Like episode again, hate to go back to episode three, it's still a bad movie, but that movie looks like trash. And like this I wouldn't be surprised if the budget on those prequels is like, astronomically higher than yeah. an, an entire season of, of one of these Disney Plus shows. It's watch crazy,
1: this. though, because at the same time of the prequels, weren't there other movies that were really well done that you don't <laughs> look back on with such, like, how is this so cheesy, like, kind yeah. of vibes?
2: I think it's a thing where it's, like, late 90s mid late 90s the technology in the prequel movies was like too cutting edge Yeah, Mm. I think it was a little bit untested at that point
0: I think it was like Laura I think going back to your comment of I think you hit the nail on the head of the Star Wars world is so much they are so much better about world building versus storytelling and I feel like in the, the prequel movies They were too reliant on CGI because it was like, look at this new technology that we have, and we have this big budget to be able to do it. So when they didn't really put the care and attention into that world building like they had in the originals because it was all analog and like puppetry and all this stuff, and then in the newer versions where it's like they have the mix still of that analog and that digital and CGI – the storytelling still has some to be desired, but I think in, yeah, in the prequels, it was like lacking in both areas. And so that's probably why those suffered so badly because it was like, okay, you're not holding me with the storyline because the storyline is, or like the dialogue is garbage. But then also you're not hooking me with just like feeling immersed in this world either. What do we
1: think the real issue is that Star Wars has with storytelling? Is it that too many different people have told the story is it that it wasn't i mean look george lucas was writing it like in the original movies how weird is it that luke and leia had a very weird sexual chemistry like for yeah. two movies and then oh they're a brother and sister now so yeah, just not weird at all, all that's that. my
2: answer to that <laughs> question S- siblings, are, siblings are dating <laughs> yes now, uh, i've got some thoughts on this i think it comes down to it being like your premise, the premise of your entire universe is this very black and white, good versus evil kind of dichotomy, which it's hard to break out of that mold. And I think, too, it's especially the movie that everybody loves, A New Hope. It's just like pretty worn down, at least by now, worn down like hero's journey story where there's not a lot of room to innovate on that. And there's not a lot of room for representation in that either. So I think I think that's where a lot of the problems stem from. Is that the sor- the source material for this entire franchise to begin with was kind of tired. It wasn't really doing anything new. I think it was just doing it in is doing it well, but I don't think it was really doing anything new. And I think it's hard for people to break out of that mold or innovate or do new things or new interesting things from, from that point because I, I, a lot of it seems like people trying to respect this legacy, this history of the story that people love so much. And, and mm-hmm. rightfully, I think it's a good story. It's in a It's a worthwhile story to tell, but I think it's, you know, what, almost 50 years later. It's like, where do you go from here? But if
3: it's such a
1: good story, and it's not a complete story by any means, Right. right? So why, when we branch out to different parts of the timeline that we haven't seen that story told, does it have to be the same story that's told? with the same kind of cast of characters right every trilogy it's formulaic and why why if we have all of these advances in technology we also have advances in writing ability we can't get better writers Emily what are you saying
0: yeah I was gonna say this is when it becomes a a Taika Watiti fan cast again Mm. because I'm I think I'm very excited to see what he does with the this franchise with his movie or series or whatever it is because looking at the MCU as an as a comparison right of just kind of like the scope and scale of it and similar fan bases but very different still where I think that they have the they fall into the trap too of like very tired storytelling. But then when Thor Ragnarok came out, and it was like, right out of the gate, it was like, this movie is very different than any other Marvel movie. And not being such a purist of, oh, Marvel movies, I appreciate, it's again, I appreciate Marvel movies for what they are as a commodity, and some of them are better than others. But with Ragnarok, it's at least they were doing something different. And, and so I think that that was, I'm, so that, I'm, and, and then when he started directing some of the episodes, I think of Mandalorian also, it was like, oh, okay, the, the comedy in these feel very different than past Star Wars or past MCU movies. And so I think that felt a little bit fresh. But as
1: Did far he, as like I didn't know what the actual directed. plots are, I have
0: no idea though. What?
1: I didn't know he directed some of the Mandalorian. Really? I think like
2: the pilot in the season finale, I think he directed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's in it too. So, yeah, as a voice
1: yeah, yeah. wow okay
2: yeah I, well, and i think that's the kind of kind of thing where you're like you can use the framework of an existing story or an existing world fictional world and try and do something new but yeah I, and i think this is my my biggest gripe with this i we kind of touched on it before where it's i don't really think it's it's disney right they're not totally interested in like art or no. <laughs> being, telling you something, a profound story. Like, end of the day, all they're interested in is getting eyeballs on their show and making money. And I think the easiest easiest, and quickest way to do that is tell you a story you've already heard before.
1: Yeah, but also look at where I think the real success has come from. And I think if we look at Obi-Wan in the same light as like Boba Fett and the Mandalorian, right? The Mandalorian did something for this franchise, that would that completely turn things around. I mean, they didn't have anything mm-hmm. I feel like doing what that movie has done alone for them in merch like and <laughs> how much they've been. I mean, you want to talk about a commodity, like that's what Grogu is, right? And and I don't think but also like, if you look at that and like the writing and like what John Favreau has done Those shows are bringing people in because there is something fresh and new in those stories. So let's not act like we have to recycle a Star Wars story to be successful because we've already shown that we can be wildly successful and entertaining, not recreating the wheel here again and truly innovating with some really talented people in the field. So that to me is is almost the disappointing part because i've seen i've seen yeah. the other side of yes
0: yeah. yeah that's the yeah. frustration is that it's like they have they have unlimited budget they have unlimited talent in all areas they can afford all the talent in all areas and it's really just a, a choice of make something that's different and and yeah i get that like The bottom bottom line is always going to come first, but it does seem if they took some bigger chances because they can afford to take some bigger chances, it's like they might actually end up like changing the game, and then you have gone into a completely other universe that you can mine of of content.
2: Yeah, because and I think I think that's a an issue of time too for a a, a franchise like this to kind of establish its roots. I mean, you talk about Thor Ragnarok; that was like, and it's like the seventeenth MCU movie. I think by that point, I mean it was after. I remember being really mad when Edgar Wright was attached to write and direct Ant Man, and then he got fired because mm. apparently the studio thought he was like too weird to, uh-huh. to direct that movie. But he had like too much of his signature that he he put on it, too much of his stamp, and not like this st- studio format for mm-hmm. an MCU movie. But you know, seventeen movies in, yeah, get let Taika, Wait- Taika Waititi write and direct some weird like comedy. At yeah. that point, it's like they know that their fans are going to watch it no matter what. So, yeah, they can they can afford to take some risks. I think that's kind of hopefully the direction that these, like, Disney Plus series are going, where it's like these these series are significantly cheaper and quicker to make than a movie. So you can afford to take some risks because, you know, your losses aren't, aren't going to be as big. And I think it's like you got a built-in audience, too, especially over the last two years. What else are people doing? They can't go to a movie. There's no new Star Wars movies in theater. You kind of got to take what they give you on Disney Plus. And luckily, they're at least paying some attention and care to the quality of these things coming out. But I think it's hopefully finally getting to the point where it's like, you can afford to take some risks. You don't need to please everybody, because at this point, well, everybody's going to watch it because it's Star Wars. So what does it matter if you give them exactly what they want or you give them 100%, 100% fan service? Yeah. Give them what you, this, tell the story that you think you should be telling instead of what you think people want
0: it? It's Taika's time to shine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: but
0: That's the
1: thing, though. You take some risks, and sometimes it's not about alienating fans. It's about winning a lot of new fans that you didn't have that <laughs> then become part of that built-in fan base. And then you can come out with something like Moon yeah. Knight that's taking some risks but probably mm-hmm. doesn't hit that mass appeal button and is gonna fly under the radar a little bit so i think yeah i I think that's the exciting part right about this this franchise is that potential that's there and it's you see these pieces and they're starting to come together in some really great ways and if we can just keep that going and keep building then this this could be really exciting and super fun
0: I'm looking forward to them moving in a direction away from existing characters too, so that they don't have to rely so heavily on the flashbacks to other content, right. and then the de aging, and then making them look older. Because I think that that also nice is to distracting.
1: <laughs> yeah, the de aging, because we do need to discuss <laughs> that. But Michael, what were you going to say first?
2: No, no, I, I think I think I, I was basically what Emily is saying. Where it's like I am looking forward to give me a new character. You don't have to mm-hmm. give up you don't have to have a ten minute montage of scenes from like the prequel trilogy to catch me up to speed on who these characters are. Just give me something new and trust that your audience is smart enough to pick up on that. Yeah. I am
1: interested for like Ahsoka because that's a character that I feel like I know from- 30 milliseconds or whatever of story. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And she's, she's plays, she has a really huge role though in the animated series. Yeah. So it's one of those where it's, if you wanted to go learn all about her, you could. Yeah. (laughs) And and that's why I'm in this weird
2: like gray area of, Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to see any stories about pre-existing characters. But also, here's this pre-existing character who I have no idea who they are. New I'm to like, yeah, me, I'll, I'll eat it's that still up. new yeah. to
1: me, right? Yeah. It's yeah. still a new area of the fandom for you to explore. So, yeah, I'm, I'm down.
2: Yeah. yeah. All right. Yep.
0: Let's de-aging. get back to the so de aging. To- <laughs>
2: yes, de
0: aging. <laughs>
1: I
2: don't think they did enough de aging on Hayden Christensen, to be honest. Honestly, I don't, uh,
0: agree. Yeah, I don't. I, it was like not not even the 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 wrinkle wrinkle removing or anything <laughs> like that. It's just time has passed, mm-hmm. and yeah. Hayden Christensen is not the svelte young thing he was <laughs> 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 anymore.
2: So. The the weird thing though is that in the context of this the show's themes of the main character is this old guy who is questioning his is having an existential crisis essentially. Where it's, yeah, you're gonna put Hidden Christensen in this in these flashback scenes not not flashing back to episode three weirdly, flashing back to like episode two yeah. when he was even younger. It's like that if if you're commenting on mortality, like there you go right there. There's a very physical example of it, yeah. but. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they need to like completely Benjamin Button CGI Hidden Christensen face on it. I, I kind of appreciate that they like keep it as, yeah, This is this is who he is. I
1: kind of felt that way too. I was like, it's, I feel like it's like when you go in and you're like, I just, I want to look natural. <laughs> and so it's, we're going to bridge that gap <laughs> and just take a little bit of time off so you can imagine him younger, but we're not just going to go all the way there yeah. for you. What did,
0: what did you prefer between Christian Hadenson, s- semi-de-aged and young Luke in Mandalorian face CGI? <laughs> Is it Christian Hansen or Hayden Christensen?
2: Hayden, Hayden Christensen. Hayden
0: Christensen. <laughs> Hans Christian, Hans Christensen. Hayden yeah. Christensen. There you go. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Hayden Penetier. Is that who it is? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now we're just doing name association. It's like jazz. <laughs> it's oh. getting late. We're getting punchy. That's what's happening. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, which would you prefer though?
1: what were the options again sorry
0: it was Hayden it was the way that he is now in in the show okay or where you can you can clearly tell it's not it's it's him now yeah (laughs) with fillers and or (laughs) or where it's yeah where, where it's completely cgi like green screen face onto a body double in Mandalorian when young Luke Skywalker comes in
1: Oh, young Luke Skywalker did get me pretty good.
0: I hadn't really thought
1: about it in those terms. But yeah, it felt a little bit more like you're watching a movie cut pasted into another movie. Like that's what his character felt like. Like it was shot in different footage. And then, because essentially it is, right? CGI, it's built. It's not actually shot. But anyways, yeah, I... I think I'm accepting of either. And that's the thing for me. For me personally, the de-aging did not impact how I feel about this show. So if that's the mechanism they want to use in Kenobi and then we get CGI Young Luke and other things or that's okay with me. Both worked for me in, in each show. And I don't know that since they didn't fail, like I have a strong preference that I would want it the other way.
0: I think uh, what Michael was saying before, if it's a a commentary on the passage (laughs) of time and mortality, I felt like I appreciate that they didn't do the face CGI and instead had Hayden Christensen (laughs) actually in it. Because, I mean, talk about redemption stories. Mm. Like, him his return to acting yeah. in this basically and that his key sort of just disappeared after episode he 3 because was you think about un-vilified. how much everybody hated that movie and can you imagine being him yeah. that's got to be so fucking tough and so well, and for him to be able of... to come back and for us to be able to see him as he is now and to not have the CGI version of him i think it is nice i don't know if that was the intention i do not <laughs> think it was the intention but that is the very yeah. meta theme that i took from it
2: yeah I'm I'm, I'm a little bit ashamed to admit that I laughed when the, like he showed up in that flashback and he looks old. <laughs> he doesn't look like he's episode two Hayden Christensen at all. But yeah. I think it is it is kind of charming where it's like it is what it is. Like it's Hayden Christensen. He's back, baby. No. There's this dude who had like his career ended after episode three. Like you look at his filmography, this he does. Yeah. He's done like nothing since he, then. He
1: but got he's... vilified for yeah. those movies, really. Yeah, and I think. Hayden Christensen's story is a little bit like Obi-Wan's, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: He's, he became irrelevant for, yeah. just because people didn't like him. And it's it's, it's unfair. But I mean, and, and the weird thing is that he's like a pretty good actor, at least in yeah. this series. It's, I mean, it is f- f- probably pretty clearly evidence that so it's like, it was just bad directing and the prequel. He, it but, wasn't
1: his he's, fault. Yeah, he's, and he he's not a, he's
2: not a, a long bad long. actor. He's, and he's, he's still a handsome dude. Like, mm-hmm. why, yeah. why DH him? Why CGI that? I think to me, it's more more troublesome when it's you've got a, an actor who's just fully fucking dead. Who you're yeah, totally and it's a hologram. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they did that a little bit with Carrie Fisher. And and that's kind of a they were kind of in a hard place on a lot of that stuff, too. Because her death was so sudden. But I remember in Rogue One, there's a scene where you've got peter cushing from the original movie back in 1977 and it's just like a fully cgi dude that who looks like weird. him. like it's it's weird when they do stuff like that and at that point it's like why don't you just recast it right like it this brings up
0: a, uh, yeah that always brings up weird questions to me of just like who owns they own the likeness but do they own him as an actor yeah it's like, it's strange
2: yeah and it's it's a it's yeah. a kind of thing where it's like you got to trust your audience if they can understand this is the same character as even though it's a different actor
0: yeah yeah, I think that is, maybe that's why these these things that we've been talking about throughout the series is just, it's very frustrating because it feels like they should think that their audience is more intelligent yeah, but <laughs> and I, that we want to see something like a yeah, little riskier and a little different. Right. And, yeah. But I think
2: for the purposes of Obi-Wan Kenobi as a TV series being so close in actual time to like the prequel movies, I, I think it does make sense to bring all these actors back. Yeah. You know, it's like Hayden Christensen comes back he does a great job in it. Jimmy Smits is back. He's like he's like another actor who's probably too good to be yes. in any of these movies. <laughs> you got Joel Edgerton back. He's Luke's uncle. Like I love Joel Edgerton. He's barely in the prequels, but he's had a pretty meaty role in, mm-hmm. in in the series. And I think it makes sense to bring these these actors back from the prequels, especially and at least in the current timeline of that that series. Because I think like an equivalent amount of time has almost passed between those movies and the and, and the TV series, right? So it's like even mcgregor has aged in real time between the between the movie yeah. and the series yeah jimmy Smiths, joel edgerton those people age in real time over, over the course of whenever the prequel movies came out but i mean if you're gonna have a flashback with hayden christensen yeah why bother de-aging him like yeah. people understand that it's the same guy <laughs>
1: I wonder, too, if part of it was that most of the series, you're not going to see Hayden's face because as Vader, Mm -hmm. that's covered. And so I do wonder if there was a part of of him and maybe the show and, and part of kind of his redemption story that was a little tied to, well, then let's not also do a full CGI face. Like we're bringing yeah. Hayden back. So let's, we're you know bringing him back though? to show him.
0: I read something that, so the, in the originals, he did not play Vader inside the Vader suit. Like he wasn't physically in that suit. Yeah. right And then it was it's not even his voice anyways. But they made the choice that in this series, in a lot of scenes, it actually was Hayden Christensen in the suit. Mm -hmm. And it actually complicated things because the actor who originally played Darth Vader was like six foot six. And Hayden Christensen is only six feet tall. And so I think they had to like shoot it differently. And then like in comparison to other actors, they had to change the perspective and like probably stand on a box or something like that. But it's like that was a weird choice because it's not like you're going to see or hear him when he's right. in the suit so why do you need to have him in there uh, maybe he wanted it maybe he wanted the yeah. full experience
3: yeah, yeah. I, I don't know
2: it's, it's weird because i don't remember much of hidden christensen's performance in the obi-wan kenobi series as being like a very physical performance so mm-hmm. what's the point of having him in the suit but hell if it's a guy who lived this character at least the younger version of this character for years acting it out it's like maybe he knows something about this character that we don't uh, like I, I, I appreciate them giving him a chance to embody that character physically, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't like really come across on screen. And I think that part of the problem with that, too, is like Darth Vader is just such a physically iconic character. It doesn't really matter who's acting uh, underneath that costume. It's like, As long as it's a dude with a mask and the cape and the, the black suit, that's, yep. that's really all you need to know as far as figuring out who this guy is and what his his backstory is.
0: I think less important than having a similar physical performance as like Chewbacca, having those actors yeah. be very similar, right, in their movements. All right. So, was that enough about de-aging? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay one more one more uh, question before we go into final thoughts on this we talked about a little bit about how the the show especially around episode three and four it just seems like episode three both the movie and episode three yeah. of the series <laughs> were a little bit rough huh it's a lull and michael i know that you had mentioned that this show was originally developed as a movie and yeah. then because of solo <laughs> which was mentioned earlier was so a sad swab, yes that they pivoted and decided to make this into a series instead right right so in your opinion do you think that this would have been better or worse as a
2: movie i don't know i think because the landscape of movies and cinema has changed so much in the past couple years i'm not sure if this is something that would have worked better necessarily as a movie yeah you know i think i think it is a thing it was it was developed as one of these like anthology movies right there's a, a star wars story you got, you got like rogue one a star wars story solo a star wars story And i think this was supposed to be like obi-wan kenobi a star wars story but then when solo apparently people didn't like that movie for some reason i think that movie's good but i guess that movie lost a lot of money so they're like yeah we can't release any more movies like spinoff movies <laughs> so we'll just readapt it into a tv series and I, I think it got to the point too where it's all two seasons of the mandalorian and then this boba fett show people love it so easy fit to, to adapt it into a TV series. I don't know if it, if it lasts is like a six episode series though. And I think that's a, yeah. the problem that we've all been having with this, where it's like, there's a point in the middle where it sags quite a bit. And the weird thing is I looked at the, the writing credits on, on this TV series. And I think it's like episodes one through three and episode four have teleplay credits from the writer, Hossein Amini, who was actually originally attached to develop this into a movie. So I kind of feel like it's a, maybe a writing problem with the series where they had to stretch it into a mini-series, six-episode mini-series. So you've got these two filler episodes in the middle that the original writer wasn't involved in that kind of sag a, a little bit mm-hmm. because it's it's just filler between the main driving action of the series. I, 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 I hadn't heard about somebody recutting this into a two-hour-long movie, but I think that makes sense. I think there probably is a point between episode three and episode six that you could probably directly connect with that. And like you said, Obi-Wan talking to Reva through a metal door for 10 <laughs> minutes about who knows what, convincing her to do, to, to kill Darth Vader. It's like, who freaking cares about that? I, I think the meat of this this show and this story is in front-loaded in the first three episodes and then wrapped up in the last episode. And I think there you go. It's like two hours of content right there. Why couldn't it have been a movie?
0: Yeah, And I'm looking at the run times for each of the episodes too. And I mean, that's the interesting thing about TV shows now is that they're not 30 minutes or an hour or 20 minutes with commercials or whatever. And it's like the first episode was 53 minutes and the second episode I think was like 39 minutes and then the third episode was 40 minutes. And so it's, it's a bit all over the place too. So I think maybe that's also why it felt a little bit weird because it was like you're not really expecting an episode to end or to continue when it does <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's so, oh okay and so i think maybe it was the inconsistency in that and and i think a lot of it had to do with they they must have edited it how it made sense like story wise mm. but that didn't fall it was not developed to fit into a six a, a one hour each episode six episode series and so i think that it was like maybe the editing also played into it so yeah i'll have to check out that two hour two hour (laughs) edited version of it though Lori, what do you what do you think
2: yeah do you think the show could have benefited from more or less of obi-wan generally or other characters yeah (laughs) (laughs) so here's where
1: i'm at i yes the show that we got you could probably edit into a really powerful two hours. But if we had gotten the show that reaches its full potential, because look, right now, in my mind, The Boys is absolutely killing it. We are seven episodes in and every episode hits hard. Has a clear narrative like you... You get what's happening. The twists make sense. They're still surprising. Had we gotten, let's face it, there's a writing issue here. I think that's really what it boils down to. I heard that they wrote this show and then scrapped it completely and rewrote it. And yeah, it wouldn't
2: sur- wouldn't surprise me at it all. It
1: Doesn't surprise even if that's not true. It sounds like it could. Feels be. like they it based <laughs> on what yeah. we got. Okay. So I think that's the reality. Had we had somebody with a strong vision, I mean, look like Mando, not not as disjointed, really strong episodes, a really tight team that know what they're doing with that story. So had we gotten the Obi-Wan that we deserve and that we're capable of creating, then hell yeah, I want six hours of it. I don't want (laughs) two. That's not enough. I want six. And also where I'm at just personally in my life, I mean, I am podcasting (laughs) about TV because I am watching (laughs) way more TV than movies. And movies come out and I don't go see them in theaters. I wait for streaming. I sometimes half watch them. I'm usually disappointed. I'm holding a candle here for Thor Love and Thunder and I don't think I'll be let down but, you know, where I'm at is I definitely want a TV show. That, that just is so much more accessible, I think. So, so I, I would have wanted this to have just been a powerful six-hour show about Obi-Wan, and, and that would have been great. With the, with the show we got, yeah, you could probably edit it really smartly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think when, when comparing it to something like Mandalorian, right, that was done a lot more successfully – it seemed like there was a lot more cohesion in the storytelling from episode to episode, but then stylistically slightly different based off of who was directing it, right? So I feel like that's where they took more of the freedoms was in the aesthetic of it. But the storyline, there was a through line. Yeah. And it was pretty consistent, I feel. Or at least it felt like it. I'd probably have to go back and look at the runtimes and I could be totally wrong. And, and But it was engaging though. Each episode was pretty engaging. I think where I struggled with Boba Fett was that I felt like there were some bottle episodes in there, and there mm-hmm. was some, and I think it was what you were referring to earlier, Michael. Of there was some sort, there was some lip service. Oh, he's doing pick the haka, basically, and and so it was kind of like I appreciate that, but having that in there, I think it kind of. It sometimes detracts from the storytelling a little bit, and and so I think that was a little bit less consistent than like Mandalorian. I kind of struggled with that one too, in the same ways that I struggled with with Obi Wan, how Obi Wan got his groove back, how Boba Fett got his groove back. Basically, <laughs> they're all the same. We're stories. all
1: looking at like the the older, the middle age Star Wars yeah. characters that are having like midlife crises. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: it's It's just sad old guys that's that's
1: another theme we didn't know we were
0: uncovering Uh, Michael when when you were describing it and you were talking about how like how he is a different man than he was in like episode two and in episode three of he's just a husk of a man and and you were describing it I'm like oh my god I just watched the first episode of that show old man that just came out with (laughs) with Jeff Bridges and John Lithgow and I was like that describes it exactly Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah so it's it's a very present theme. It's old old men redeeming themselves, getting their <laughs> grooves back. Okay, that's where we are. Okay, so I think we've decided that basically it could have maybe benefited from some editing, but it also definitely could have benefited from actually being created as a TV series and fully fleshed out for six good episodes, <laughs> as right. opposed to a mishmash of some somewhere in between, and probably about seven to eight hours of content chopped up into six parts, essentially. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. like a two-hour
2: movie stretched out into a six-episode miniseries. I'm not sure if that works super well, but... It is what it is.
0: I
1: love how I'm just being this critical, though, guys, when let's <laughs> face it. I watched every episode how many multiple times? times? Yeah, let's say three. <laughs> I watched eighteen hours then at least, and I'm like, oh, it could've been two,
0: but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We we will have talked about this for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: We should have watched it a fourth time.
0: We have <laughs> watched it a fourth time. Yeah, so I think to wrap this part of it up, I think basically what we're saying is, Disney, we're not mad. We're just disappointed. I yeah. <laughs> feel like they've got such the potential <laughs> to do such great things if they just really took some risks and got out of their comfort zones. And so... I I believe in I believe in you, Disney. Mm -hmm. I think you're gonna get there. We all get there on our own pace, so we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's wrap this up. Final thoughts: Was this show satisfying for you,
2: Michael? I I think at the end of the day, I mean, there was a point, like episode four, episode five, where I don't understand this anymore. I was looking at my phone a lot, but I think by the season finale, series finale. Hopefully, I don't know how they can do a season two of this, but by by the time episode six wrapped and he's figured out Obi Wan's figured out his place in life, everybody's safe and sound. Okay, I I can I can dig this. This is this feels like the Star Wars kind of story that I know and love at this point. I don't think it's great. I think it could have been better. I think you could have maybe not killed off a bunch of (laughs) characters, (laughs) who people like you could have given actors of color maybe bigger, more prominent roles in your show. I and mean, this things I mean, that, but that's a, a criticism of anything, right? It could always mm-hmm. be better. Mm-hmm. I, I think, as a TV show, I think, I think that's where my biggest problem with it lies. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's Star Wars. I can't not love this thing. It yeah. is. It's a thing where it's. That's like, it. Uh, yeah, sure. I'll watch six hours of just bullshit <laughs> happening as long as it's in Star Wars land. It, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. I mean, What about you, Laurie?
1: Praise, yeah. It's Star Wars. It's it's a world I love and I'll return to because I enjoy spending time in it any chance I get. I enjoy it so much that I'm spending two hours talking in depth <laughs> about it, and I've been talking about it for weeks with anybody that would listen. I think ultimately it's it's something that I am always going to carry a candle for, and I'm in. And yeah, I was, it, as much as I'm disappointed in some ways, and it could have been better. I'm still satisfied. I don't want Disney plus to use my feedback, obviously, cause they're listening <laughs> as a yeah. reason not to try harder just because we're satisfied. There's still, you can still increase that quite a bit. So yeah. And Emily, where are you at? Since I think it's really interesting cause I feel like you were obviously kind of the least invested. And now that mm-hmm. you've, had this conversation. How do you feel?
0: I was going to say that I was unsatisfied watching the series. I am satisfied after having this conversation now about it. Wow. <laughs> I feel like I can put a pin in it now and I don't need to rewatch it anymore and I don't need to revisit it anymore and uh, I can I can move forward from it.
2: <laughs> you can stop thinking about it. I can stop mm-hmm. thinking about
0: it now and wondering was that good? I think the the answer is kind of, right? Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> so it was- yeah.
2: Yeah, if, if it wasn't if if it wasn't good, it was at least good enough.
3: Good mm. enough. Okay. Yes. Oof. Good enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yep.
0: <laughs> I'll give it 3 stars. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps I think the discussion. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about it for 2 hours and so that is the equivalent of the first two episodes of it and a little (laughs) bit more, and that's probably where it started to wane. So we should probably just stop this conversation now before we start hitting into episode three territory ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so before we get into the six degrees of EMDB challenge though, I have a little trivia for you. We talked a lot about MCU versus Star Wars and the comparisons between those two universes. There's actually a lot of crossover when it comes to actors who star in both the MCU's franchise and Star Wars franchise. So in 60 seconds, let's see how many of them can you name? I'm going to put 60 seconds on my clock. Fuck.
2: Oh, boy. This is, this is the sound of me rubbing my eyes. I only have one.
3: Remember names. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, you can also tell me if you n- remember their characters. You can also tell me that, instead.
2: You, it, this is just any MCU Marvel movie and any Star Wars mo- movies specifically, or
0: movie or show.
3: Yeah. Oh boy.
0: MCU movies and/or shows and Star Wars movies and/or shows. <laughs>
2: I thought the I thought the the challenge was for you, Emily. I didn't no, this is a challenge spider. for you
0: first, and then you'll give me another challenge after this. I... Okay, you ready? I'm gonna put a minute on the clock. Don't worry. If you can't get any of them, you only have to sit there for a minute. Okay, here we go. And starting.
2: I mean, uh, John Favreau. John Favreau. Like, he directed Iron Man. He, I mean, in, Incepted the MCU, and it was, he was like a creator of uh, Mandalorian. Yep.
0: Right? Okay, you're correct. 10 seconds.
2: <laughs> Take your YTT. Okay. Kamal uh,
1: Nanjani. Who? Kamal. Kamal. I can't say his name right now.
0: Yep. Kamal. <laughs> Good one. That's it. 30 seconds. 100%.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's all of them.
0: You got it with three.
1: <laughs> I only had the one. <laughs> Time. <laughs> You're going to name a few and I'll be like, of
0: course. Yeah, I'm going to start naming them and you're going to be like, ah, duh.
2: Uh, Natalie Portman.
0: Good. Five seconds. Two. Done. One. Okay. (laughs) You got four. Oscar Isaac. Freaking hell, Mm. we talked
1: about Mm. him.
0: (laughs) Okay, so I wouldn't have expected you to get this one. Paul Bettany. He was a villain in Solo. I don't know what his character's uh, name was. He was in in Solo though. Was he the villain in Solo? I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Awesome. How did I not know? And then that?
0: obviously Vision. And then Lupita Nyong'o. Mm. I might have. Oh that. right. Yeah. She's Maz, and Nakia, and Black Panther, one of the guards. Yes. Samuel L. Jackson.
2: No, oh, doy.
0: The <laughs> da- Doi. <laughs> Ming-Na Wen, come on. Fennec Shan and Agent Mm. May in S.H.I.E.L.D. And then Mads Mikkelsen played Jen Erso's father. And he was also the villain in the Doctor Strange movie. Not the most recent Uh, one.
1: The first one. Mm.
0: And then the rest of these, I wouldn't (laughs) really expect anybody to get. Rosario Dawson, though, is probably... One of the more well-known or one of the more obvious ones of, like, she plays Ashoka. And then she was also in the Luke Cage series.
3: Mm, Oh, I didn't watch
0: that. Yeah, Rose Byrne. She played one of Padma's handmaids. (laughs) Uh And then she was in X-Men. Yeah, never would have known that. (laughs) (laughs) Andy Serkis plays Snoke. And also the guy, the arms dealer in Black Panther, who has his arm cut off. Oh, that, right. I, I do. That, one.
1: yes. Yeah. That's one.
0: Ben Mendelsohn. He's the villain in Rogue One. And he plays the Skrull in Captain Marvel.
3: Skrulls. <laughs> <laughs> <It's gross.
2: laughs> see, I think that's a problem with these Marvel movies is that they, they put them under so They're much make-up. makeup. They're, like, unrecognizable.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: A lot more Marvel movies. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Donald Glover, obviously Lando Calrissian. And then he was also in Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that movie, though. Forrest Whitaker. that That is a good one, though. Forrest Whitaker. Because he played Saul Guerrera in Rogue One. And
2: Zuri in Black Panther. Oh, I forgot that he was in Black Panther. I yeah.
1: forgot that, too.
0: Benicio Del Toro. Uh. He played <laughs> DJ, which wasn't his real name, in Rogue One. And, or no, sorry, in The Last Jedi and The Collector. The Collector. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. The collector.
3: Mm, then... There's some
1: good ones in there. Yeah. There
3: They've was a couple other ones out. in there
1: too,
0: but like those, the, the actors were definitely even less recognizable though. So I didn't include those.
1: <laughs> there are some theories that the wizarding world of Harry Potter, Fantastic Beast movies are basically like dead and donezo, and they probably wanted mm-hmm. to make like the last two. And as a result, now people are starting to be like, well, Jude Law needs a franchise. Can we bring him <laughs> in to Marvel, Star Wars? He's like? already in Marvel. Has he?
0: Yeah. He was in Captain Marvel. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't think... I think Captain Marvel's a movie I've only watched maybe once. Yes, yeah. Captain mm. Marvel,
2: the, the movie everyone has forgotten about.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. The one that got, like, review bombed or whatever. <laughs> one of them. Okay, so that was fun trivia. Interesting. Okay, that was really so funny. we'll wrap it up with the final challenge. So six degrees of EMDB. Lay it on me. You guys can pick either two actors or two shows, two movie shows, whatever you'd like.
2: I was going to try and see if you could connect two actors from Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi the series, outside of Star Wars stuff that they had done. But mm. I don't know if there's anybody else. I mean, you McGregor, you could probably connect to somebody else. But I don't know who else would, who would be. In, in you mean, the show. So you mean like, connecting the like, two
0: two like, actors in there, but not in not yeah. from the movie, not from this yeah. series that they're like in if, now.
2: If, if Hayden Christensen had had a bigger filmography, could you connect him to? What Ewan McGregor, about uh, not using Star Wars?
1: Use Liam Neeson. I mean, I could prob- he showed up enough as Qui Gon. Right.
0: You guys just pick two, and I'll do it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could you do Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson? Ewan McGregor, not using any Star Wars stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Liam Neeson is in Love Actually. There's a ton of people in that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You can do it. I think you can already do it. I feel like I can do this. Ewan McGregor was in, God, he's been in a lot of stuff. Okay. He was in Moulin Rouge with Nicole Kidman. Hmm. I feel like there's an Emma Thompson connection here. (laughs) Okay. What other stuff was Ewan McGregor in? Help me out here. Ewan McGregor.
1: How do I love him and I can't remember anything? Stop asking (laughs) me to recall information.
0: (laughs) I feel like he was in a couple of different movies with Naomi Watts. Here. Don't look it up. (laughs) I have to. That's cheating. Don't. cheating. (laughs) Mm, Ewan McGregor. Why is this so tough? He's in Big Fish, but I don't know of any other actors in that oh he's in was it fishing in Yemen or something like that
1: <laughs> I love how this is what you're recalling
0: like he, I haven't he even there. seen that movie what he's in that movie movies? with Emily Blunt I think he's in that movie with Emily Blunt so there's got to there's got to be something there come on Emily Blunt. okay Liam Neeson what else is Liam Neeson in besides love actually there has to be something in love actually though there's so many people in that taken yeah, that's not a whole lot of people in Taken, though. <laughs> I mean, talk about another story where he's just like, the only purpose in his life is to protect one person, right? Yeah. <laughs> An old guy, how how Liam Neeson, how Qui-Gon got his groove back. It's Taken. Let's see, what else was Liam Neeson in? Schindler's List?
3: <laughs> how do I get... mm,
0: he was in a very good episode of Life's Too Short. Have either of you seen that show? With Warwick Davis, who is in a mm-hmm. lot of Star Wars things, mm-hmm. 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 and Stephen Merchant is also in that, and Ricky Gervais is also in that. <sighs> Ewan McGregor's filmography is hanging me up here right now, though. John Leguizamo is also in Mulan Rouge. <laughs> <laughs> just
3: throwing
2: people out here.
0: Now.
2: <laughs> you're gonna try now. You're just gonna try and connect John Leguizamo. Me, yeah, me to me anybody,
0: <laughs> to anybody. John Leguizamo was in
2: uh, Do you Super, want Mario me to throw? Super Mario
0: Brothers, but who else was in that though? John <laughs> Leguizamo <laughs> <Paskins>. was in <laughs> Two Wong Food. Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, <laughs> with Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes.
1: What about, did you watch Fargo, the TV series?
0: Yes, that's right. He's in Fargo. <sighs> he plays twins in Fargo. Okay, there definitely has to be something in there.
1: Oh my god, I did not know this. Or I did, but I forgot. That what? Fargo? Well, I didn't know Fargo, but I also forgot that Ewan was the voice of Lumiere in the live action Beauty and the Beast. Oh, (laughs) yeah, that's right.
0: Okay. Well, now I gotta. Okay, so now we know more Ewan McGregor things. So now I gotta think of more things that Liam Neeson is in. Besides Schindler's list and <laughs> taken. <laughs> and an episode of Life's Too Short.
1: Yeah, how how do we not know more of these things?
0: <laughs> taken let's see. Schindler's I mean, he was like in that movie with about a wolf, gray or something. <laughs> I don't know who was in that besides him and the wolf. I don't think that many people. Hmm. Wow, this is that's what comes up though. Oh, known for Schindler's yeah, List, okay. the gray. <laughs> okay, so I did get, I caught, I got all of them you, though. All the main There, there hits. are
1: two more here, but I don't know that they help you.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay, and then with Ewan McGregor, we got Fargo, Moulin Rouge, fishing in Yemen,
3: <laughs>
0: Big Fish. Who else is in Big Fish? Oh, this is tough, guys.
1: <laughs> Leah neeson is actually is fucking, tough this is i don't know any of man. these movies love
0: actually who else is in that emma thompson alan rickman
1: Kira knightley oh, yeah uh, who's uh, the guy the, who plays
0: rick grimes who's
1: the guy that holds up the signs
0: the guy who plays rick grimes i'm oh. just gonna write down rick i'm just gonna write down rick
2: grimes like the, the star wars connections are just too, like too almost too easy and so maybe it's just yeah. a problem that everybody has been in a Star Wars thing now. Connect them Frequels. in prequels.
0: Yeah,
2: I mean yeah. Liam Neeson. The most recent thing I can think of—he was on an episode of Atlanta. Donald Glover.
1: That is on the list. Yeah, yeah. but you can't use that. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: I didn't know Who else Liam is in Neeson.
2: Fargo?
1: I must have known this. Was in Dairy Girls. I've watched that.
0: <laughs> As himself or.
1: As Chief Inspector Byers, mm.
0: two episodes.
1: But yeah, the rest of this is Greek to me.
0: Okay, let's see. Fargo, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, Gene <laughs> Smart, Chris Rock, Billy Th- Billy Bob Thornton. Mm. Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman is also in that. Okay, Martin Freeman is in Love Actually, isn't he? No. Yes. Yes. He is. Yeah. He is. So that's it. But then Martin Freeman is not in Star Wars, but he's in MCU. But that's so. Okay. So that's the connection. So it's Ewan McGregor is in Fargo with Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman is in Love Actually with Liam Neeson. That's pretty short a short chain. <laughs> I did it. I it mean, took a long time, but I did it, guys.
1: <laughs> it definitely was easier there you, because There you go. last time we were trying to do it like only with like TV, so it helps that you can have like TV or movies just Oh,
0: I think last time with you Laurie, I was trying to I gave you two TV shows and you had to say which actor was in both of those. Right. And then when I did it with Michael, he gave me two TV shows, and I had to connect them by
2: other TV shows and actors.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yay, we did <laughs> Wait, it! So the
2: connection that you made between those, these two actors is purely through movies, then? I guess I mean there are mostly shows. Most uh, their... Fargo is a TV show. Okay, yeah.
0: And then Love actually is a movie. Right. Yeah, that's it.
2: Two, just two. It's, two really, links short. In it's that a chain. really short. It's a really short one. It <laughs> took
0: it took a long time to get there, but yeah. Yeah, because Martin Freeman in Love actually is the porn body double or yes. like a sex scene body double, yes, right? Yes,
1: he is. Yeah. So they can get the lighting then, right.
0: Yeah. And then in Fargo, he's in the, in the first season of that. He's like the protagonist, right? The main guy, the William H. Macy character in the TV show. And yeah. then, yeah. And then he's in that. Well, he's in it different seasons, but they're both in Fargo, though. Ewan McGregor and Martin Freeman separately, but together. All right.
2: We did it. Congratulations. Thank you. Amazing. That was
0: going to bug me if I couldn't figure it out. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
3: Because
0: now what's going to happen is after we sign off, I'm going to think about all of the other ways I could have connected them to because that's how I'm going to improve for the next time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds right. And that's why I have to have this podcast, because otherwise there is no other reason to ever need to do this. (laughs) It's the
2: same problem that Obi-Wan Kenobi had in the series Obi-Wan Kenobi, where he was just looking for a reason to live.
0: yeah yeah yeah. I'm just looking for a reason (laughs) to live and it's it's doing these very obscure connections of actors bodies of work so thank you for (laughs) for I guess humoring me (laughs) in this in this grand uh, creative project here and uh, until next time (laughs) thanks for listening to EMDB TV check us out on social media at EMDB TV and at www.emdbtv.com